All right. Bless the Lord. God is good. Uh, as Steve mentioned, uh, Pastor Mike married his son yesterday in Plattsburgh, so they're still out in Plattsburgh uh, uh, enjoying time with some family out there. So, uh, <clears throat> so that's why he's not here today. But uh, yeah, and uh, I know some folks are, have some Omicron issues. We've got some number of people are sick, so just be praying for folks. Uh, a number of people are homesick, and I know, and who knows, maybe some other people had difficulty getting their car started. I know at least some people did. So if you're joining us online, hello. We might have a few more folks online than normal, but that's okay. Uh, today we're going to be taking a look at uh, a topic about being deeply rooted and established in God's love as the anchor for our soul, really, and for our faith, really. Uh, today, we're, we're really increasingly seeing in a day we're in a season in our country and in our culture where it just seems a lot of things are kind of crumbling in a lot of ways. And, and I'm not alone in that. That's like a, a very common perception for many people, believer and unbeliever alike. Uh, a lot of division, a lot of uh, trouble going on, uh, even inside and outside of the church, you see a lot of issues going on, and um, these things can be really unsettling. And uh, and you know we, we see we can it can unsettle our heart, and especially if we see somebody really suffering or really going through it, really being under attack or really having to deal with some serious issues, it can really be uh, be troubling to us in our hearts, and so. Uh, I really wanted to take a look at this. Pastor, Pastor Mike had shared this scripture on the Wednesday night prayer meeting. Uh, I think it was not last week, the week before. And uh, I wanted to kind of just piggyback on this scripture and really dive into it. But uh, it's in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, we're going to start there and then we're going to jump into John chapter 11 and we're going to spend some time in the, in the Gospel of John. But I'm just going to start in this passage here. Uh, in Ephesians 4.13... Paul is, is talking, he's writing to the people who live in the Ephesians area. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to, I, sorry guys. Children, be blessed and go serve the Lord with Jerry. Thanks. Father, just bless the children, be with them in Jesus' name. Sorry about that, guys. Yeah, I, uh, I'm used to having Pastor Mike dismiss him for me, so I didn't, didn't think of that. Oh, well. So yeah, we'll take a look at Ephesians 4.13. And uh, Paul's writing here to the Ephesians, and again, they live in the, in the region of Ephesus, in, both within the city of Ephesus and in that entire region in Asia. And, you know, a lot of them had heard that he was in jail. He was in prison. He was suffering for the cause of the gospel. And, and that could be unsettling because here's the guy who brought him this amazing good news, this incredible gospel message and, 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 you know, they're, they're blessed knowing, coming to know Christ and, and uh, the hope of eternal life and God is love and all these great things. And they're going, but here's this guy in jail who might be put to death. Like, what's going on here? You know, what, why is this happening? God, why are you allowing this to happen? And I think this can happen, especially when we're in times of trouble. We, we, ask, we find ourselves asking that question sometimes. God, why are you allowing this to happen? Why is this going on? And, uh, and Paul said, because of that, he says, for this reason, he continues in, in verse 14, for this reason, for the reason that I, I don't want you to lose heart, uh, you know, because of what I'm suffering, for that reason, 
I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that, and here's how it's going to happen, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that faith is going to be strengthened how? That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Paul's saying, listen, if, if you get a hold of this thing, if you get rooted and grounded, I'm praying for that to happen. Because if, if we are rooted and grounded in love, in the love of Christ, if that's rooted and grounded in us, we're going to be filled with all the fullness of God. We're going to, we're going to have sufficiency for whatever, we, whatever lies ahead. We're going to be okay. It's going to be all right if we can really get a hold of this. And then he goes on and he says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So he's confident that the Lord can answer that prayer. And, and that's what we're going to pray today. Father, we do. We just pray that you would establish us in your love like never before. Lord, that we would be established in the love of Christ. We just pray and we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So <clears throat> Jesus has some of his most in-depth conversations with his disciples about love during the last week or so of his life, pre-resurrection, of his pre-resurrection life. It's some of the most intense conversations about love that we see in the scripture. And that's for good reason. It's not an accident. And actually, very shortly before that happens, like just a couple weeks before that, we have a really interesting uh, situation which illustrates the importance of love uh, in, in our faith and in our walk with God. They were, see, they were about ready to go through an intense challenge. They had totally staked their lives on Jesus being the Messiah. They believed he's the Messiah. I mean, they, they had been willing to leave their homes and, and their livelihoods even to follow him. And, and they're counting on him being the Messiah, their, count, their livelihoods. I mean, everything, it's all dependent. It's all wrapped up in him. And yet, he's been talking about dying for the last couple months, you know? I mean, and they don't have a box for this because in, in their mind, in the Jewish mindset, the Messiah was coming to deliver them from the Romans. And so they're going, how is that going to work if you're going to die? But we know you're the Messiah. But how is that going to work if you're going to die? But you're the Messiah. But you're going to die. You know, it's like there's this dissonance going on. And this can happen to us when we're suffering and we're going through difficulties. We're going, God, I know this about you, but I'm seeing this. Like, what, what is going on here? And so he's going to talk about this issue of love because it's so critical in standing firm. And so we're going to start here about two weeks prior to Jesus' crucifixion. And we're going to pick up on this very interesting story in John chapter 11. In uh, verse 1 of John chapter 11, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, 
saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. That's, that was his response. Now, his sisters sent him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Isn't that interesting? They didn't say to Jesus, Lord, Lazarus is sick, your buddy Lazarus. They just said, Lord, he whom you love is ill. These ladies, they knew Jesus loved Lazarus. I mean, they really knew that he loved them and that he loved Lazarus. I mean, so much so that that's how they identified him. That's remarkable, really. I mean, they had a, they had a, they had a deep revelation of the love of Christ for them and for their brother. And so they said, you know, that's, that's who's sick. He's the one that's sick, the, the guy that you really love, you know, that guy. He's really sick. <clears throat> I mean, this is, they had a deep revelation of the love of God. Now, it continues on here in verse 5, and it says this, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, just in case we weren't sure, right? He really did love them, right? So, when he heard that Lazarus was ill, in other words, because he loved them so much, for that reason, so... When he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. What? <laughs> I don't get that. I don't have a box for that. I mean, wait a minute. This is the guy that you love. He's really sick. He needs your help. And you stay where you are for two more days because you love him. Uh, you know, tilt, tilt. Like, what's going on here, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't understand this. And I don't think they did either. I mean, it, you know, does this ever happen to us? God, I know this about you. I know this is true. And yet this is happening. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't understand what's happening. And, and uh, this is one thing we need to understand about the love of God. And that is that trials and delays in answers to prayer may actually be used by God for us to experience his amazing love and see his glory in an even greater way than if we didn't have the trial and the delay. That's what we can learn from this, really. I mean, this is important for them because they're going to actually love him even more when it's all done. Something more amazing is going to happen than if he just went right away. God's love doesn't mean that he's going to always spare me of difficulties or trials. He, he may sometimes, right? But sometimes it might even mean that he'll allow that trial to come on all the more. I know that's hard to, to fathom, but it's, I'm, just, I'm just reading the text. You know what I mean? That's just what it's telling me, right? I mean, this is what it says. I mean, God could actually do that. He could actually allow it to get harder so that it'll get better. It's amazing, but it's true. Now, when, uh, when they finally get ready to go, I mean, the disciples... When, when he, you know, at first, when, when Jesus doesn't go right away, they're like, they're cool with that. And, and they, they love Lazarus too, but they're cool with that. Why? Because they know that they were, that those Jews in Judea there, or in Bethany, in that area, they want to kill Jesus. They know that. And so they're, they're delaying for a couple days and they're thinking, okay, this is, yeah, it's wise, Jesus. That's wisdom. You know, that's, that's cool. You know, Jesus is on a different page from them, but they're, you know, and then he's, then he's getting ready to go. And they're going, wait a second, Lord. 
They want to kill you over there. He's like, uh, yeah, yeah, that's all right. Uh, our friend Lazarus is asleep, and uh, I'm going to go wake him up. And they're like, well, if, you know, if he's asleep, he'll get better. You know, it's okay. You, know? you don't have to go. He's asleep. He, he needs some rest. That's, that's what he needs. Everybody needs a little rest when they get sick, right? No problem. Jesus is like, no, no, no. Uh, in verse 14, then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. Okay, he's, he's really dead. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there. Again, really? He died, Jesus. <laughs> why are you glad that you weren't there? Well, here's why. So that you may believe. But let us go to him. Now, <clears throat> okay, so that you may believe. Now, wait a minute. He just died, and that's going to strengthen my belief. I don't get it. I mean, again, it just it doesn't, it's not making sense, right? And, and it's not making sense to any of them. I mean, the situation doesn't look good for the disciples either. It doesn't look good for Martha and Mary. I mean, you know, he's, been, he's already dead, and it's going to take two days for Jesus to get there. I mean, when Jesus healed Jairus' daughter, she had been dead maybe an hour. You know, when he, when he raised up the widow's son, maybe a couple hours. By the time they get there, it's going to be at least two days that the guy's been dead, at least a couple days. And that's how, how long the journey it is. And, and uh, Thomas is thinking it over, and he goes, yeah, they want to kill him there, too. Okay, so Lazarus is dead, and they want to kill Jesus. And so Thomas, being that man of faith, the scripture says, he said to his fellow disciples, let us also go so we may die with him. Like, let's just put an end to this thing, you know. <laughs> this put me out of my misery, you know. I'm just, let's get it over with. Let's just go. We'll die with him, you know. Yeah, love that faith, right? So that you may believe. I mean, it's not looking good, right? <clears throat> but it's so that their faith might be strengthened and not weakened that Jesus is allowing this to happen. See, this is another characteristic of God's love. He actually wants us to grow in our faith in him. He, he loves us so much that he's going to put us through some challenges that are going to challenge us right to the edge at times. Why? So that we're going to grow, so that we're going to understand and, and, and have a deeper faith and a deeper trust and, and, and really rely on him in a whole fresh and a new way. See, it, he, he stayed there. Again, why did he stay there? Because he loved them, the scripture says. That's why he stayed there an extra two days. So in verse 17, they arrive, they find out it's worse than they thought. He's been dead for four days. I mean, he's rotting. I mean, this isn't like Jairus' daughter and the widow's son. I mean, the guy is starting to rot and decay. And this looks really bad. It's not looking good. Verse 21, Martha comes up to him. She's talking to him. And it comes out. She says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. How many times do we have questions like that for the Lord? Lord, if you'd only done, this wouldn't have happened. If you'd only showed up in, in this situation, that wouldn't have happened. And that's where Martha's at. She's like, Lord. But she says, you know, but even now I know God will give you whatever you ask. You see, even though she's really wrestling, really struggling with this, she just doesn't have a box for it. She's holding on to her faith. Even now I know God will give you what you ask. You know, she, she's not ready to abandon her faith. 
And that's where the Lord wants us. He wants us to, to, to stay in that place where we don't understand. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to, to, to complain a little bit. Lord, if you had been here, come on. You know, God can take it. The Lord can take it. He doesn't rebuke her for this. She's, but she's, she's wrestling with him. And that's what the Lord wants us doing when we're struggling, when we don't understand. He wants us to keep wrestling with him. Don't stop talking to him. Stay engaged in the process. There's a process. There's something going on. That's why you're going through it, because God wants you things to go deeper. He wants you to be rooted and grounded in his love in a deeper way than you were before. So he's saying, stay with it, stay with it. So we continue on here, verse 32. You know, eventually Martha goes and, and she, she, she runs back. Jesus is not even in the village yet. She had heard he was coming. She ran out to meet him. So he, she runs back to the house and gets Mary and says, the Lord's asking for you. And so Mary runs out to meet him. And now when Mary came to where Jesus was, and saw him, she fell at his feet. Again, that's an act of worship. She's heartbroken, but she falls at his feet. She's staying engaged. She hasn't abandoned her faith. She's completely puzzled by this. She has no idea. She's so troubled in her spirit. This doesn't make any sense at all. And yet she falls at his feet. And then she says to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. There it is, the same question. Lord, if only you had showed up. If only you had come through. I mean, she's just broken in her heart, in her spirit. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. He cried. You see, God's love, this is a third thing we want to know about God's love. He is not indifferent to our pain and suffering. He is not indifferent to it. I can remember years ago, I was, uh, we were in Turkey, and there was a short-term mission woman who came. And... Uh, she was just doing a short-term missions trip. She joined our team meeting in the evening. Before the meeting, she was talking. I was talking with her a little bit, and she said uh, how, you know, she's just talking, kind of matter of fact, about herself and saying, yeah, three years ago, my husband and, uh, yeah, my husband and uh, daughter, I mean, they're not here because they died in a car accident three years ago. And the Holy Spirit just dropped it in my heart and said, she's still mourning. She's still mourning over this. I mean, she wasn't crying or anything. She was just talking matter-of-factly about it, but... Like the Lord just told me that, and I didn't know what to do with it, but I thought, well, just, okay, she's still mourning. But then later on, as the meeting's going on, you know, there's just an opportunity just to kind of share, if, you, if the Lord's giving you anything to share, you know, we just had opportunity to share, and I said, you know what, I, I feel like the Lord just wants to minister to you, and I, and I can't remember what the woman's name is, but I said, you know, the Lord <clears throat> wants you to know you were wondering where was he when this happened? Where was Jesus when this happened? And the Lord wants you to know that when this happened, he was weeping. He was crying with you. It's okay for you to cry. We all just started to cry, and she started to cry, and we just all started to weep. And we just, some of the ladies came over, we just laid hands on her and just prayed for her. And uh, 
She said, you know, I always, that's the question that was always in the back of my mind. Lord, where were you? She said, I, where was Jesus? She said, I, I kept asking, where was Jesus? And the, and the Lord just ministered to her that healing that he was weeping. He's there with her. We said, you know, you can cry anytime you want to the Lord. That's what, what I, I said to her. And she said, you know what? I needed to hear that because I've had talked, I've, uh, people have told me you need to just stop crying about this. And, and the Lord just did, did a tremendous healing there. But God's love, we need to know this, it's not indifferent to our pain and suffering. God weeps with us when we weep. The beautiful thing is he has a remedy for our pain and our tears. You know, there's a remedy for that. Jesus can heal that. It's amazing. I'm going to read this scripture in Revelation. It just blows my mind. <clears throat> he says this, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He, this is God. This is not an angel. <laughs> it's not anybody else. This is the Lord Jesus himself. This is what he's going to do. He will wipe every tear. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. He's going to wipe away that tear. He's going to personally minister to each one of us with the pain and the sorrow. And anything that didn't get resolved here on this end of things is going to get resolved there. He's got full remedy for every heartache, every pain that you've suffered, that, that you're still maybe a little bit feeling it. And anytime you want to talk to him, anytime you want to just cry before him, it's perfectly okay. He'll cry with you and he'll comfort you. But we know that's not the end of the story, right? And it won't be for us either. No matter how hurtful or painful that thing was, it's not the end of the story. He's going to make things right. He really will. <clears throat> we continue on here. And see some more things about God's love as we continue in, in John 13. Now we're just a little bit later, maybe a week or so later. And we're in John chapter 13. And uh, just a little over a week after this event with him raising Lazarus from the dead. In verse 1 of chapter 13. says this, Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father... Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. I love that. So what he's about ready to do is actually going to illustrate what his love is like. Again, we're going to get a little more of a picture on the love of God when we see what he does right now. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. This blows them away. This is mind-boggling. This is Jesus doing this. I mean, this just blows them away. He's doing what he's doing right now. This is what the little slave boys would do. In fact, Jewish slaves wouldn't even do this job. 
They would get Gentile slaves to do this. This was, this was beneath a Jewish slave to do. They would get the Jewish, the, the little Gentile boys usually, poor little slave boys who maybe didn't even have a shirt. Those were the ones who would wipe the feet. Jesus takes, plays the part, takes his shirt off. Now he's dressed like a little slave boy. And he, and he bends down and he starts to wash their feet. It's too much for Peter. He's like, oh, whoa, I can't take this. He's like, Lord, don't wash my feet, please. You know, don't, don't do that. I mean, it's just, it's just too embarrassing to him. Like, Lord, you shouldn't be doing this. This is totally beneath you to do this. He's like, no, no, no. Uh, if, if I don't wash you, if you don't let me wash your feet, you've got no part in me, Peter. He's like, okay, then, then my whole body, you know, I mean, let's just, you know, my, my hands and my, my face, I mean, too, let's, you know, let's go for it, you know. And the Lord's like, no, no, he who's already taken a bath only needs his, his feet to be washed. See, and some of you, you're already clean. You just need your feet washed. Not, though not all of you, he said, because he knew the one who was going to betray him who was not really his. But when did this happen? When did this actually happen? It happened during supper. So it was still in the middle of the meal. Now, during supper, it was almost certainly right after serving the bread and the wine, which probably would have happened right at the beginning of the dinner. And what happened when, when Jesus served the bread and the wine? Remember what he did? Remember what he said? He said, this is my blood of the covenant. You know, this is my body broken for you, right? And this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, for their forgiveness of sins. Now he showed by doing this, then he, after he does that, after they have the first communion, that's almost certainly when he gets up and then he does this, and he washes their feet. What does this show? Well, it shows several things about God's love. First of all, God's love is deeply redemptive. Jesus has washed away our sins, but he will continue to serve us by washing that residue of sin, which we pick up as we walk on our way, you know, as believers, we've been washed in the blood of the lamb. But you know what? As we walk around the world, we stumble at different times. We get a little dirty and we need to get washed afresh. And he's he's showing here he's going to do this. He's going to continue to wash our feet. Uh, he's going to continue to do it. And not just for his current disciples. He he shed his blood what, for the for the forgiveness of sins for many. Right. It was for many. Because there's, there, even for those who aren't currently his disciples, right, for the people still out there, God shows his love for us in this, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, since therefore we've been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? Romans 5, 8, and 9. So we, we know that, that, that that's meant for others as well. And yet as disciples, even after we've been washed, we know he'll continue to wash us. Another thing it shows about God's love is that God's love is deeply humble. He's the most humble person in the universe. That's mind-boggling. I mean, <laughs> I just, that just blows my mind when I think about it. I mean, the most humble person in the universe is the God who created the whole thing. And that's just amazing to me. We serve a humble God who demonstrates his humble love for us. And then he asks us to walk in that same humble love toward others, to take the lower place and to serve others. 
He says to them, he says, you know, you guys call me Lord and teacher, and you're absolutely right. He says, I'm giving you an example that you should follow, and you, you should do the same thing that I've done to you. Jesus will never ask us to love in a way that he himself isn't first willing to love. I love that. As he, he leads the way. In fact, he says in John 15, 13, greater love is no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. And who did it first? Him. And he wants us to follow and do likewise. Another thing that the Lord wants to do as we continue on here in John 14, another thought about the love of God for us. God's love wants to settle, God wants, he wants to settle our hearts. God's love wants to settle our hearts when we are troubled. Uh, he wants to tell us and remind us what we need to hear and know in our time of need. That's what he desires to do. That's one of the things that God's love will do is he'll, he'll, he'll tenderly speak to us. If we'll listen, if we'll tune in, if we stay engaged with him, like Mary and Martha, you know, and we know, we know that Lazarus came out of the tomb, didn't he? He got healed. That was a glorious, wonderful thing that happened, wasn't it? The Lord ministered to them and, and, uh, and that's what he wants to do towards us as well. He wants, when we're in the middle of the trial and we don't know which way it's going, his love wants to comfort us. Now, if we look in, in John 14, continue in there, John 14, and we'll be starting in verse 1. They really needed some help. Uh, they needed to, to have their hearts calmed down. See, see again, put, put it in the context that I think it's good to get the full context of what these disciples were going through. They were really going through it. I mean, he'd been, again, Jesus had been telling them for a few months now he's going to die. They've staked their whole life on this, his being the Messiah. And, and their concept of the Messiah is breaking down in front of their eyes. And they don't know what to do. They're, they're, they're confused. They're not sure what to do. He just told them two days before the, this, Literally two days before this, he, his, in his last public preaching message, two days before this, he talked about the fact that the temple in Jerusalem was going to be destroyed. One of the most beautiful buildings in the ancient world is going to be leveled. Not even one stone left on itself. And the nation of Israel is going to be scattered to the nations. This is their country. Just picture that for a minute. Somebody came up to you and said, hey, by the way, guys, I had a word from the Lord. Washington, D.C. is going to be obliterated really soon and the United States is going to disintegrate. Have a good day. That's kind of what they got two days before. So, so they're going, I mean, their world is rocked. Jesus is there. He's telling them he's going to die. And not only that, as he's there at this last dinner he's having with them, he actually tells them how he's going to die. He says, one of you guys is actually going to betray me to death. The betrayal is right here. The, the, one of you guys is going to actually betray me. I mean, to be betrayed by one of your closest friends and one of their closest friends is going to betray Jesus. I mean, they're, they're going, they're just floored. They have no idea. They're, the Lord, they're like, Lord, who is it? They didn't, they didn't have the faintest idea it was Judas. I mean, the guy was the keeper of the money bag. Who do you put in charge of the money bag? Probably the guy you trust the most, right? I mean, you know, I mean, you know, they're, they're thinking, well, you know, 
Matthew? I don't know. He was the tax collector. I mean, they just, they have no idea who it is, you know? And yet Jesus says somebody's going to betray him. And then they, then they, they said, you know, well, well we're not going to abandon you. We'll, we'll be, we'll stand by you, Lord. We're, we're with you to the end. He goes, actually, all you guys are going to leave. You're all going to abandon me, every single one of you. Peter's like, there's no way. I would die for you. All the other guys join in. Yeah, we'll die for you too. And the Lord looks at Peter and he goes, really? You're going to deny even knowing me three times within a few hours before the cock crows. You know, you're going to deny knowing me three times. Their entire world is crashing around them. I mean, they just don't even have a box for this. They know he's the Messiah, but this doesn't make sense. I mean, this is just going from bad to worse. And they, they really weren't sure what was going to happen next. I mean, it kind of like jumping out, kind of like the Lord saying, okay, you're in this airplane. Guess what? Oh, yeah. I oh, yeah. I, I was going to mention, we're parachuting today. Lord, where's the parachute? <laughs> um, that's all right. Just jump out the window. It's, it's going to be all right. Ah, you know, that's kind of how it was feeling for these guys. I mean, they, they, they didn't know what, what was going to happen. And Jesus, the, the love of God comes and he ministers to them and he ministers comfort to them. Listen to what he says here in verse one of chapter 14. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. He's like, you know what? It's going to be all right. Really, it's going to be okay. You, you're, you're, you feel like it's not going to be okay. It is. It's going to be okay. Like, I wouldn't lie to you guys. I wouldn't lie to you. I'm building a place. I got eternal dwellings for you. We have an eternal home in God's presence built for us by Jesus. And he's coming again to take us to be, to be with him. That is critical when you're going through it. I mean, to, to realize, to have that eternal perspective, what is Jesus doing? He's giving them the long view, isn't he? He's like, you got to hang on to this eternal perspective, guys. Get a hold of this. Get a hold of this reality. This is the reality of the thing. I'm building a home for you that lasts forever. Like, that's the way it really is. It's really going to be like that forever. And I'm coming again. Like, the second coming is really going to happen. Like, that's so real. And, and Jesus is saying, let this become reality to you guys. Let your hearts not become troubled. Don't get, when, so when we see stuff crumbling around us, things going south, we go, wait a minute. He's, he's building a home for me, and he's coming again. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be all right. I'm going to be with him again. It's going to be all right. <clears throat> and then he says in verse 4, and you know the way to where I'm going. You're not without a guide. You know where I'm going. Thomas said to him, okay, Lord, you need a little help with this one, right? We do not know where you're going. <laughs> I mean, I love Thomas's frankness, you know? Like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Come on, where are you going? We don't know. Jesus said, how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Being rightly connected to Jesus is going to rightly connect us with God. 
And then he goes on and he explains to them, you know, and, and Philip is like, just show us the Father and we'll get it. He's like, hey, you know what? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so when, when, we're, when we're trying to figure out what is Jesus like, what does he think when the world is shaking around us, read the Gospels, you know, read the book of Revelation, the letters to the seven churches too, by the way. <laughs> you want to get a full picture of what Jesus is like, read that also. Uh, and you'll get a, a much deeper picture of, of what God is like. And so he's, he's encouraging that. Here's, here's seven problems. I'm, I'm going to just read through these, actually eight promises. Just going to read through them. We don't have time to get into them. But just going to read these. Just listen to these as I read through them. These are promises. These are eight promises that Jesus gives them when they're really troubled. They're going through a really difficult time. These are just great problems. I'm just going to read through these. Just listen to these. Number one, we get to partner with God in prayer and see answers to prayer. Oh, yeah, prayer. That's right. When I'm in trouble, I can pray, right? Number two, we are not orphans. God is always with us, and we will get to see Jesus in person again one day. Isn't that nice? That's wonderful. We are not orphans. Why are we not orphans? Because, number three, the Holy Spirit will be in us, and he'll actually remind us of what Jesus said. Number four, God's supernatural peace is our promise now in this world. Jesus said, my peace I give you, my peace I, I leave with you. I don't give as the world gives. The world's peace, everything's got to be wonderful and just perfect, and, and my bill's all paid on time, and everything's just, and the job is amazing, the wife, the kids, you know, he says, that's not the way, my peace is much better than that. It's not dependent on the circumstances. Number five, joy comes with obedience. You want to you get some, some joy, even in the midst of trial, obedience is a wonderful way to experience joy, even in the midst of trial. Number six, eternal fruit is promised to those who abide in him. There's lasting rewards and blessings coming for obedience, like it's going to be totally worth it. Number seven, friendship with God is our portion. We can actually know the will of God and, and be his friend. I mean, isn't that wonderful? I love that. Like we're actually called to, to be friends of God. And eighthly, trouble will come, but overcoming trouble is a sure thing for his disciples because he overcame. Because he overcame, we can too. Now, those are just wonderful things to, to think about when we're going through trouble. And lastly, and we'll end with this one, Jesus' love for us is as perfect and unwavering and deep and solid as the Father's love is for the Son. He says this, he says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. That's John 15, 9. As the Father, think about that. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. And they go, well, you've really loved us a lot. And he goes, yeah, that's how the Father loves me too. I've loved you in the same way as, as the Father has loved me. And, and then he goes on in, in verse 27 of chapter 16. He says, by the way, the Father loves you too just in case you weren't sure. <laughs> I mean, like, he loves you too. And think about that for a minute. I mean, just think about that, how stable that love is. I mean, the fact that we're loved the same way that the Father loves the Son. I mean, the same level of love, the same quality of love, the same depth of love, the same level of commitment. I mean, thank you, Lord, you love me. You love me. You know, when, I, when I'm going through a hard time and I'm having difficulties and there's difficult situations, sometimes I just have to stop and say, Lord, I thank you that you love me, like you totally love me. 
Even if a bunch of people hate me, you love me. You, I'm loved by you. And that's just so, so encouraging. It just settles my heart. I go, you know what? The most important person in the entire universe is, I mean, just deeply, madly in love with me. I mean, forever. And it's never going to change. No matter what. <laughs> that's like, that's pretty good, you know? And, uh, and so this is what he says. And we're going to end with, uh, with this scripture here. We're going to take a look at Romans 8. 31 through 39. We talk about the love of God. Verse 31. He says this. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him Graciously give us all things. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. That's pretty cool. <laughs> who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake, we're being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. See how it goes right back to God's love, isn't it? That's how we conquer. You know, sometimes you wonder, you know, if you're getting some burnout, if you're starting to feel a little bit of burnout, Starting to feel like, ah, just, you know, you're just banging your head against the wall. Where's this thing going? We just need to park on this, on the love of God. We just need to, like, revisit this when we're going through it. He loves me. That's how I overcome, knowing that he loves me. It's through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. There ain't nothing that can do that. That's amazing. Amen. Amen. Isn't the Lord good? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. If you could, yeah, come on up, Matt, and close with a worship song. I'm just going just gonna to close in prayer. And, and Father, we just, we just right now, we just thank you. For the deep, deep love of Jesus. Oh, Lord. We are so grateful for your love for us. Father, we thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your son to die for us. You love us deeply, Lord God. Father, we just pray that we would be rooted and established in love. And may he grant you to be strengthened with power. I'm going to read the scripture now again because this is so powerful. Through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen.